Hello, welcome to Circuit and Gear, a podcast where we discuss scenic automation and other interesting tech. I'm Gareth Connor. And I'm Royal Marty. Hey, Royal, we got some great feedback from the last episode. That's right, we did. You know, it's funny, we were both a little nervous about doing the episode on CAD. Yeah. <laughs> Whether or not we're going to be able to hold people's interest. Right, especially after, you know, leading up, we were like, oh, this will probably be all right. Right, and right, then right. after, we, we got... were like, holy crap, what did we just do? <laughs> yeah, this is, people are chewing their arms off. So uh, we got we got both good feedback and, uh, and some bad feedback yep. just from our own employees here at the shop. <laughs> right. <laughs> that didn't like that last podcast <laughs> but we did get a couple of people that uh wrote in saying that they really enjoyed talking about uh cad stuff yeah um and in particular i wanted to read an email um from james casolano at from uh, all access staging out in los angeles right uh he writes in and says i love the new podcast thanks very much uh, <laughs> i paid I have, it for that i have loved your products for years and it's great hearing you talk about all the thought behind the magic. Some of the electronics and programming is a bit beyond my expertise, but you explain it well. Episode four was particularly interesting for me. I have been in charge of the technical design department for a number of years and had to make software choices many times. I thought you and possibly your listeners might be interested in another perspective from a company doing automation products, um, but also many other custom entertainment fabrication. Uh, so, because all access certainly does automation, but yep. then they do uh, custom staging. They build a lot of trust. They build a lot of staging products, right. staircases, you know, and all the custom set pieces for big shows, um, a lot of rock shows, and other touring stuff. Yep. All right, back to James's email. Our company has been using Vectorworks as well since the days of Minicad. I started with version ten long before they changed uh, to year labeling. <laughs> I would second almost everything you said about the product. Their 2D is great. Their 3D is okay. Their symbols and groups are nice. And the licensing and support leaves much to be desired. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> we continue to use Vectorworks for our rental layouts for similar reasons you do. And also do quick and easy fabrication drawings in it. We have switched to Autodesk Inventor for our primary fabrication program. There are a few key reasons for us. Inventor seemed to me to be, in my testing, to play well with others better than SolidWorks. We deal with a lot of clients and vendors as uh, as well, sending back and forth data from Vectorworks. Now, that's interesting. So they're right. doing a lot more Vectorworks um, integration rather than DWGs. Yes. Um, and it all seemed to work much smoother on Inventor. Many of the design tools are similar between SolidWorks and Inventors, but a key tool for us is uh, is called frame generator we do many structures and this tool lets us draw wire wireframes and then put framing members both stock and custom extrusions onto the wireframe right this is easily updatable by changing the wireframe or changing which material tube or extrusion is used for a company that does a lot of structures as many scenic shops do this has been fantastic the third element that we have yet to integrate, but I'm excited about, is the ability to link the 3D model of the structure to an AutoCAD electrical drawing so you can link that data and dynamically update wiring diagrams and 3D models. Again, we haven't done that yet, but it looks like an automation design plus. In my CAD travels, I've also used AutoCAD a bit, as well as ProE and various rendering programs. My takeaway is that CAD programs can be extremely useful tools, and the key is picking the software that has the features that will be most helpful to what you are going to do with it. That's my two cents, as well as possibly a bit more, but I can't keep my mouth shut. 
I'm excited <laughs> for my, more episodes. Sincerely, James. Thanks so much, James, for the feedback. Those are some really great points. Yeah. Um, so, Roy, let's pick that apart and and uh, look at some of the specific things that he, he lays out there uh, that I think are, are interesting in relation to what we talked about last week. Right. Yeah, I mean, the, one of the big things that stands out to me was, you know, he says Inventor plays well with Vectorworks better than SolidWorks. And that's interesting because we haven't really thought about that, right? Yeah, we really were t- taking more of like, how does AutoCAD integrate? Exactly. Yeah. And even though... I'm sure they're using 2D? DWGs. I mean, you know, they're I, exporting DXF or DWGs from Vectorworks. Right. But still... Those that, two are communicating better. Yeah. You know, and still 50% of our 2D stuff is is Vectorworks. Yeah. And we yeah. haven't done that. And we should, you know, we should look into that. We should look into that. That's right. a, interesting. It's an interesting point. And then I think one of the big things that stands out to me was he, they've got very similar views on whether they draw something in 2D or 3D. Right. The layouts, rental right. layouts doing in that in 2D. Yep. But like, uh, you know, in his case, it sounds like a lot more structural work, but that structural work would be similar to our product development yep. being done in 3D. In 3D, right. And then if it's just quick fabrication. Right. They do it in 2D. In 2D. Right. Yep. Or it's right, right, just right. a little faster. <laughs> yep. And then, you know, the frame generator sounds very cool. It sounds very similar to like in SolidWorks, what's called a weldment. Right. Where SolidWorks you can, has a similar thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Where you can just, you know, make like a sketch and put in where all that framing is going to go and detail that framing and it just extrudes it around the path for you. And that is a really nice feature. We don't use it a ton because uh, it sounds like James and the guys at All Access do a lot more structural work than we right. do. We tend to do a lot more cut plate assembly exactly. work. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But if you're doing a lot of work with uh, structural profiles yep. or tubing or other extrusions or their custom extrusions or their custom extrusions, then that tool is really great because not only does it lay everything out, but you can generate like cut lists right, right off of there and pin them onto the drawing plates for you. Right. And you can see how much of each material you need. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's pretty, that is pretty nice. Yep. I think, I mean, unless I'm under, misunderstanding frame generator, I think SolidWorks has that exact same feature in what's called, like you said, weld the weld, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then the electrical integration is pretty cool of like how they want to tie their inventor models to their AutoCAD electrical, yeah. uh, which is really cool. And we haven't really thought about that too much. Uh, right. I mean, which is something we could do. SolidWorks has a feature like that. Because um, they have SolidWorks electrical. We right. Went- and we've we've looked at that and lusted over it a little bit. You know, it seems like it's got some nice features, yep. but it's whack and expensive. <laughs> yeah, the solid. I haven't looked at AutoCAD Electrical recently. Yeah. I, I think their pricing is a lot more sane. It's not cheap, but uh, but again, with the I think with Autodesk, you can kind of subscribe to their uh, I, what do they call it? like Universal Design Package right, or, something. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. where you get kind of everything and all you can eat buffet of all their products. And SolidWorks is a lot more stingy than that. It's, yes. it's like eight thousand dollars for SolidWorks, <laughs> another eight thousand dollars for electrical. Right. And there's probably like an additional charge if you want the two. If you want the together. two together, right? <laughs> not yeah. a discount. Not a discount. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it actually costs you more if you want to use them at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, but yeah, we went to like a taco night <laughs> that SolidWorks hosted yeah. to look at their, uh, electrical package. And like you said, it was really nice. I thought that the, you know, that their, um, the 2d electrical design capability was neat. It, it wasn't as great as I hoped it would be. Right. And I thought the 3d stuff kind of looked cool, 
But I just worry how much would we really use yeah, it? What's practical about it? You know, yeah. like they talked, at least in the demo they showed us, they talked a lot about, you know, well, now you don't even have to figure out your wire lengths. Like the CAD model will do that for you. I'm like, yes. Right. However, grabbing a spool of wire doesn't really take me that long. <laughs> I mean, in our case, we're not doing custom panels that often. That often, right? And then when we're we design, are, yeah. it's, it's pretty easy to just. Like you're saying, grab a spool of wire and cut. Yeah, and cut it. Yeah. And if we're doing a product design, it's like, yeah, sure. Maybe it takes us a little bit longer to manually figure out each wire length. Although, right. I, you know, I wonder how accurate it can get in a 3D model. Probably, probably very probably accurate. Close, but... Yeah. Um, but even so, it's like, yeah, it might take us an extra. It's never taking me more than a than like maybe a day to figure out an entire wiring right. schedule, exactly. even with a couple hundred wires in there, you know? Yep. Um, and I don't know that I eight thousand dollars. <laughs> you got to do that a lot. <laughs> you got to do that a lot. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. but it, but on the other hand, for somebody like All Access, if they're doing a lot of this custom integration Absolutely. work, where you've got right um, electrical components and structural stuff, uh, that could I could see that being a big yeah, savings, a big, a big selling point for them. Yeah. Yep. And then you know, James kind of echoed what we were saying last week of you know, pick the right tool for the job and. You know, if they need something quick, if they just need like a quick like plate with some holes drilled in it, you know, they're going to draw that in 2D. Yep. But if they need, if they need, if it's more advanced or they need it for down the road, then they usually draw it in 3D. Yeah. Which I thought was very interesting. Yep. Matches right up with yep. what, how we do things. Yep. 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 So cool. Thanks a lot, James, for the, for the awesome feedback. That was great. Yep. And then as promised, this week we're going to talk about circuit board design. That's right. Not enough people complained about us talking about CAD tools. <laughs> right, so week. we're on it so again. We're, so, <laughs> so we're going to wrap up our CAD talk. Um, I think this is the, the end of what we have to say about, about CAD, unless there's more uh, people writing in with stuff. But Right. The, we could talk about our CAM software, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but seriously, I think this is the last one. <laughs> but we just to finish the, the loop, the, complete the circle that we started on the last episode, uh, I wanted to touch base on the circuit design um, tools. So right. that's kind of a very different um, kind of CAD. That's usually referred to as eCAD or electrical CAD or electronics CAD. Um, we have a couple of different... There's a there's an interesting thing to know about electronics CAD. So when you're designing a circuit board, you typically have at least two major modules or two... And sometimes they're from the same company or sometimes you can even use different, wholly different software from wholly different vendors. But the two aspects are schematic capture yep. and then circuit board layout. So the schematic capture is really just the electrical schematic of how the circuit works. Right. Um, where the transistors go, where the cir the integrated circuits right. go. Which pins connect to which pins, right? Yeah, I mean yep. And it, it, so it describes electrically the function, yep. but it's usually laid out with no relationship to the physical layout of where these things are going to get pl placed on a circuit board. Right. It's just trying to logically place the schematic so that you can look at it and figure out what the electrical path does. Yes. You know? Where's the microcontroller connected to the resistors, connected to the LEDs, connected to... Right. The it makes it... That document should be easy for a human to understand. Yes. Right? That's right. And comprehend what the function is. Yep. And then what the schematic capture software does is it keeps track of what components you have in the design, what the various pins are on each component. Right. So, like a resistor has two pins, right? And like a P2 
pin one and pin two. Yep. And it doesn't matter which one gets connected where. An LED has an anode and a cathode. Yep. And those are polarity sensitive. And you know, the negative's got to be connected to the negative side and positive to the positive. Right. Um, so, and, it, and then you might have an integrated circuit that has 40 pins on it. You might have a microprocessor that has 144 pins yes. on it. Um, right. And each of those pins, they're labeled as to what their function is. And then it, the software will keep track of which component, which pin on which component is connected to what else. Right. Um, and that electrical connection is referred to as a net, um, or a, which I think is short for network. Yep. Um, but <laughs> to be honest, I'm not even sure. But <laughs> they're always referred to as nets. Um, and so the uh, you might have like a lot of things connected to your five volt net. Right. You know, because every chip on the board needs power. Powering off of five volts. Yeah, yeah. So it keeps track of every net has a name, and then every net has a list of what component pins are attached to each right. net. And that's all captured in the, in the schematic capture program so that it defines how the connections are made in schematic capture. And then when you get to circuit board layout, you import a net list that has all that same information what and you import a part list and a net list yep. so the part list is all the components the net list is what component pins get connected to what other right. component pins um and like i said sometimes that's the same program sometimes those are different programs but you need those two things together yep. to make a circuit board um on very very simple circuit boards you might just take go right to the circuit board layout you know if you only have a handful of devices you yeah. can probably keep track of where the traces are laid out but on the in the circuit board layout software you import the, the the components and then that each component is matched to a physical package so how big the pins are how far apart they are spaced right and then you place the the all the components around your board and then you you know have to lay out where every trace of every copper trace goes right yeah gets connected so uh anyway so that's kind of the the high level view of like this is what you need to be able to design circuit boards. right um now way back in the day when i was getting started uh i didn't want to spend a lot of money on software and as we discussed <laughs> last time i already liked vectorworks quite a bit yes. right so <laughs> i used uh vectorworks to do all my schematic capture yep um and how that worked was I would just make uh, symbol. I well, it wasn't symbols, but I, I wrote some um, plugins yep. for Vectorworks. Okay, um, using some of my my software writing abilities. Right. Um, Vectorworks has a I think it's called Vector Script. Maybe I can't remember now. It's been been a year. Oh no. Well, yeah, I think it's called Vector Script now. It used to be called Mini Pascal. Mini Pascal. Back, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Back when it was MiniCAD, it was also right. called Mini Pascal. Um, and so it's a Pascal dialect and you can use that to write custom tools in, uh, for Vectorworks for you. So I wrote some tools that allowed me to do schematic capture in Vectorworks. Yeah. And basically that was like a, a bunch of like resistors and diodes and et cetera. Yep. And, uh, so kind of like little blocks. Yeah. Yeah. They were like little blocks. Right. Exactly. The only thing that was a little different, the only reason why they had to be plug-in objects was because we needed that information about the pins. Right. So that we could extract, I uh, could extract the net list information later. So I wrote all the little blocks, you know, all those little plug-in drawing tools and they would sit on the toolbar. Okay. Um, in there. In fact, they're still available somewhere. Yeah. It's called like, 
I can't remember what I call it. Like circuit tools, I think. Oh, is what that's I call cool. Them. Right. Circuit tools for vector work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you could uh, place all the things, and then you use the net tool to connect all the pins together. Gotcha. And then when you were done, I wrote two menu commands: uh, one for export part list, and one for export net list. Yep. And it would generate the text files that could be brought into your circuit board layout software. Ah, I see. So I did all this command capture in VectorWorks, uh, yep. and then um, I used a program called Osmond PCB, hmm. uh, which is only it's only available for the Mac, um, but it was a circuit board layout yeah. tool that happened to be free. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I had, you know, I just spent a bunch of my time to develop the VectorWorks stuff, the VectorWorks schematic capture tools, and then I used free circuit board layout software, yeah. and that's how I designed the first, the um, first stagehand board, the right? first stagehand board, yeah. Yeah, and so that was great. Um, but, you know, oddly enough, my little plug-in objects that I wrote for Vectorworks <laughs> were not, not quite as fancy as commercially available right. real schematic uh, <laughs> capture. So when we started to have to make more and more circuit boards, um, and it, that got pretty tedious to use the tools I'd yes. written. They were not not as great as what you could use. So uh, for a while there, we were using a, uh, a program called Proteus, um, and that has schematic capture and um, circuit board, board layout. layout. So you can yeah. do both. You and, can do both. And, yeah, okay. they're two different modules, but they exist in the same software. Gotcha. Um, and that was pretty good. Um, the schematics it produced were kind of ugly looking. Like when you printed them, they didn't look I great. See. great. Yes. Um, they, were, they were good, just not great. They weren't awesome. Right. Um, but the bigger things that were a problem were that the drawings weren't easily portable. The... Any of these schematic capture um, software and actually circuit board layout software, you end up with a lot of symbols for all the different components. Just because right. there are just thousands and thousands and thousands of electrical components out there. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> they're all slightly different, and they're all slightly different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so some of them are built into the library of the software. Yep, but undoubtedly lots of them are not you're gonna have to go download them from somewhere else right well or draw maybe them? yeah uh, most of the time i mean if you're using the most popular software maybe you can download uh, download the right. uh, either a manufacturer's symbol or you know somebody's random symbol that you find on the internet yeah but a lot of times you end up just drawing your own gotcha um and that gets added to the program's library yep well that's great Except like in Proteus, the library was actually like hidden in your user folder. And so if you changed uh, computers and tried to open up the design file again, but didn't have your library files from your other computer, right. then you that symbol wouldn't be present, which <laughs> right. is a pretty is big a, deal. Yeah, that's a pain, yeah, right? That I was mean, pretty bad. Right. Uh, you can't like send that file to anybody either. Right, right. And I think they have some version of like pack and go where like yeah. you can export it and it'll wrap everything up for you. But if um, but if you're just kind of bop, as we've discussed, <laughs> we like to bop around <laughs> from computer computers, to computer, right? right? <laughs> um, that's really painful. So it's also PC only, only runs on Windows, uh, which is kind of a drag because yep. I do like to work on the Mac as much as I can. Um, and then what's the uh, price? Is it is it like affordable or? Uh, so I think in memory escapes me a little bit about exactly how much it was, but it's like $1,500-ish. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But so it's not hugely expensive right. for, you know, niche software, but it's not cheap. Right. It's not nothing, but it's something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, one of the more popular ones that you hear a lot of people talking about is Eagle. Yes. Eagle CAD. Right. And um, that's cross-platform. It's affordable. I think we got a three license pack of Eagle for like 2200 bucks. Yeah. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, they also have a free version, which is limited in its, it can only do like a, like a two inch by four inch circuit board or something. Oh, okay. Um, and, but, but it's perfectly usable for folks who are just wanting to try, try it, it out. Yeah. Right? Make a, a simple one. Yep. Yep. Um, it has no real fancy features, like none of the high end stuff. Um, because like well, on some software, right? Like you like simulate the circuits. Yeah, and and stuff like that. And yeah, can, you can't do that on Eagle. Not internally. They have like you can export to a Spice simulator, and there there are some options out there, but it's not integrated. Yep, not well integrated into Eagle. Yeah, um, it's and then it doesn't have like high speed design tools. We don't end up doing a lot of high speed electronics. You know, we're not designing the next. Uh, you know, a circuit board around a high-end Pentium chip. Right. Pi- yeah, there you go. Pentium. Pentium. <laughs> Pentium. <laughs> Pentium with a math coprocessor. The 486DX. <laughs> you know, something really modern like that. 233 uh, megahertz. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not using like an Intel core processor yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> but then I slipped back into 1992 or something. Um so yeah, and it's got kind of a goofy interface. If you see it, it's it's, it's right. clunky. You've used it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you've used it. It's <laughs> yeah. clunky. Like it's clunky. And it makes a lot of sense when you get used to it. Yep. But it's not user. It's not. It doesn't look like Mac software. It doesn't look like PC software. No. It doesn't. It's, it's just like its own quirky, quirky software. In its own little world. Yeah. 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 And then it, I've used it. I'll use it for a little bit and then not use it for months or a year. And then I come back to it and I have no idea you, how, yeah, to, you how, how it works again. Yeah. And then I got to like reacquaint myself with it. Yep. 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 It's not easy. Right. Um, but a lot of people use it. It's yeah. very popular, especially in the, like the maker space right. and, um, you know, open source community. Um, it's cause it's so affordable cause it's so affordable. Right. Yeah. So you'll find like a lot of the open source projects like Arduinos and, um, like Netduinos, right? And the Beagles, Beagles, the Beagle stuff. You can and stuff, download yeah. all that stuff, uh, all the design files in Eagle format, right? Um, so that makes it Which handy. Is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, and it, honestly, the new version has gotten there onto Eagle um, Seven now. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Whatever the new one is, they just released. I think it's Eagle. Just 7. recently, right? Yeah, just recently, and it's a little bit better. It's not leaps and bounds better, but it's a little bit better, right? Um, so. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of people use it. It's easy yeah. to find help. It's easy to find um, document documentation. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. downloads for it and stuff like and that. And right? as quirky as it is, they do actually have very well written manuals. And yeah, yeah it uh, it has a command line. So oh, AutoCAD yeah, like, fans like, out there yeah, rejoice. Exactly. Just like the AutoCAD. Yep. <laughs> and actually, you can like very easily script it to do things. Like you can just open up a text file and write a bunch of commands yeah. down, and then run those commands. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that's fancy. Yeah, it is nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. It's fancy, like in the Linux command line sort of fancy. Yeah, Soviet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very Soviet. Um, but then, uh, so so these days we use Eagle. Right. That's where we landed. Right. So started off with Vectorworks, moved on to Proteus. Proteus was definitely much simpler to use and easier to understand than Eagle. Um, but then, Eagle being cross-platform, more affordable. affordable. Um, the licensing is easy. The licensing is very easy. Yeah. It made sense to yep. stick with Eagle. Um, so, what are the other? I mean, because there's there's a lot of other options out there, especially now with like the maker 
you know, the, coming on. Yeah, that's a right? really good like, point. Yeah, a lot so many of people, people are, are doing so, are very interested in circuits and you know making their own things. Yep. right with the Arduino's and stuff. There's a lot of great free stuff out there, actually. Um, a lot of the electronics supply houses like DigiKey, Mouser, yeah. Newark, they're all offering circuit design tools for free for free now, right which is really smart for their part because the part library like we talked about yeah. right the part library is directly linked to their online catalog so <laughs> if you happen to like you it's eat the easiest way to design your circuit is to use parts you can get from digikey and then you can create a bill of materials that you can order from digikey and then you can just hit buy now yeah exactly and you buy all your components right and right. I, you know i mean there's i guess you could feel like that's a little smarmy but honestly you're probably going to be buying your stuff from DigiKey or yeah. Mouser or Newark anyway, and why not have it be simpler? It's very convenient. Um, yeah, it's very yep. convenient. And you can check the price as you're going. Like right. It'll keep a running total of how much your circuit costs. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty fancy. Which is cool. I mean, very nice. Yeah. And so are those all software that like you can download, or is that like web-based? or? There's a variety. So there's um, Mouser partnered up with all these guys like kind of picked one of the big yeah. vendors and partnered with them. So uh, Mauser partnered with National Instruments. So they have a, a version of their multi-SIM software right? Um, that's available for download. Uh, so it's... It, National you, Instruments is pretty good at electronics, right? Yeah, they do all right. They do all right. <laughs> um, yeah, because they, have, of course, do like LabVIEW yeah. um, and all that. And multi-SIM, obviously, is their other thing. And they also make hardware. Hardware. And, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Mentor Graphics partnered with DigiKey. Gotcha. Um, and and they have an online tool, uh, which is pretty limited, but then they also have one that you can download. Yeah. Um, and that's free? The download is free? The so they have a free version that takes you so far. And then uh, they also have a pay version that kind of kicks it up a notch right. to something that's a little closer to Mentor Graphics um, high-end commercial offerings. Yeah. And what do you remember what the price is for the download? Uh, well, so there's a free one and then the other one I think is like a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. Which it's is not, next to nothing I yeah, mean, compared it, to like, if you were to go and purchase Minter graphics. Right, 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 right. Their high end stuff. Right. Is, oh, again, like these are all in the, like the high end of this market is, you know, $5,000 plus. Right. So yeah, they get expensive quick. Yep. Um, and then Altium just recently partnered with Newark electronics, um, to make Circuit Maker yeah. and Circuit Studio. Um, and I think it's Circuit... Ma oh, I'm going to get this backwards. It's I think it's Circuit Studio that's their online version and Circuit okay. Maker is their local. It's one of the one or the other. I, yeah. I apologize for not writing down which one is which. But the um, they have an online one where you have to store all of your data in the cloud, yes. in their cloud. Um, and that one's free. And then, or else you can pay and you get like a, a new version of their software. It's kind of, kind of roughly based on Altium. Yep. Uh, Altium's high end software, uh, but it, it's cheaper. It's about a thousand dollars, so it's not dirt cheap. Oh yeah, you know? so it's, it's something. It's, right. It's, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's real. Yep. Real money. Um, so you have the free online version, the thousand dollar download right. version, or you know you could also use the Altium high end software, yeah. which or is goes, like seven eight thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I looked a little bit at all of these. Um, all of them look like fairly capable yeah. pieces. None of them wowed me enough uh, on any front to move on from Eagle. Yeah. Like we have enough investment in Eagle at this point and it, quirks and all, it's been working well for us. Right. Uh, we also at times have 
hired out people to do the layout portion of our circuit board. So we'll do the schematic and maybe we'll do the initial power routing or something. Right. But if we're jammed up or if the circuit's too complicated, circuit board layout is its own is little it, black art. Yeah. Um, and so we'll, we can send that out um, to consultants to have them do the final circuit board layout. And it's worked out great. It's for worked us. out great. And using a software package that a lot of people know, even if they don't love Eagle, everyone knows Everybody it. Everybody knows it, right? Um, and we can we can all talk back and forth in Eagle. So anyway, so that that, that wraps up that. I just wanted to touch base on the as promised, board. right? Yeah, yeah, as promised. <laughs> like so, that's the uh, yet another series of tools we use um, in product design here. So when we're doing circuit design, you got to use some sort of ECAD. Another yeah. one worth mentioning is uh, something called KiCAD, K-I-CAD. Yep. Um, and that's an open source free software that's gaining a lot of momentum these days. Oh, okay. Um, the, I think the CERN, the people from CERN Research yeah. Center, yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of years ago started putting a lot of development effort into that software. It had been open source for like more than a decade, right? Um, but not moving very just quickly. Just kind of stagnant. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, but now having a lot of smart engineers from right. Stern, um contributing code back into it, it's picked up development pace quite a bit in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to see, you know, as the Arduino has gotten more popular, how that has brought everything with it. You know. Absolutely. You know, just when there's more interest around it, right? Yeah, gets people focused on it. I think it's a, it's a great aspect of the arduino and all the other all the other like the makers yeah 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 yeah. just it's great to see people interested in electronics and actually making stuff making things we live with this in this world of little black box devices and i think it's awesome to for people to know what's going on inside yeah understand a rough idea of what's what it's doing make your own stuff you know i mean yeah you're not gonna make your own iphone but at least you can understand how electronics work absolutely no reason not to so right Cool. All right. Well, back to the real world or back to the physical world <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> of what we've been doing. Uh, this week, we um, had a shop test uh, for the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang rig. Yeah. That we discussed rig- a couple of weeks ago. Right. right for uh, the Candlelight Dinner Theater. Yeah. In Colorado. Yeah. And just to refresh people's memory, Royal, what did that rig, what's the kind of big picture, how this rig looks? Yeah. So it's for the car that flies in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Um, So we've got two travel tracks that are, you know, so the car will traverse on the travel tracks. It's an upstage and a downstage. And then we have a lifting line on both of those travel tracks as well. So you can, you know, kind of tilt the car and twist the car a little bit and have it, you know, track. Yeah. Go up and down, track back and forth. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, it's got, it's got people in it. The, the car has people in it. Yeah. Um, the estimated weight is, you know, at the beginning is like right around 4,000 pounds. Right. Which is a lot of weight. It's obviously. a lot of weight and yep. probably a little conservative yeah. as we were running the numbers about what, what, what they could possibly be building that car out <laughs> right. of so it's gonna, like it, without it being a real car. Exactly. Um, um, so what's the track? So the track, you know, if we've, if we recall, like the track was like a, a big point of something we had to solve so we ended up getting the garrett's track the garrett's um cargo track uh cargo Cargo xl XL. cargo xl and we got that in like uh two weeks ago or so um it's very nice track it's big it's like four inches wide from germany from germany they drop shipped it from germany to us um four inches wide by eight inches tall big track so it's big track you know made out of aluminum yeah made out of aluminum so and it's rated for tw- for a two thousand pound load, 
at uh, three meter length. I mean, at three meter span. Span. Yep. Yeah, and if you yeah if you put more pick points in there, obviously it's rated for higher loads. Right. Fewer pick points. Yeah. Farther the farther the difference yeah, between yeah. the spans, the lower the load capacity. Yep. Um. So I mean, if you look at it like that, it's very light. Right. You right. Know, if you think like this thing can hold two thousand pounds, and then one guy can pick up the, the length of the track. That's true, because and you can. I mean, you can. It, they're uh, like ten foot roughly yeah, chunks three of track. Meter lengths. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So and no, I would use what do you say? I haven't really lifted one, but they're like fifty pounds, sixty pounds. Yeah, they're no more than that. Right. Definitely no more than that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they're not bad at all. They're they're lighter than a sheet of plywood. Yes. You know? That's a good point. Yep. Right. Um. Nice hardware. It's very nice hardware. You know, and we got it. We got it all rigged. Yep. And one thing that we really like about the Garrett stuff is it's very quiet. Like we've used the Joker track in the past. Yeah. Um, and like the splices have been very solid. You know, so as you're going from like one one section of track to another section, you don't hear it at all. Right. There's it's no lip in the track to go as the as the carriers pass over. Yeah. Right. So that's one of the big reasons we bought the Garrett stuff. And we got it all rigged and we noticed that yeah, the seams were kind of kind of junky. Holy crap! Yeah. yeah, like why? It's really loud. Yeah, um, and you know because they had these big mending plates that went on the sides of the track. Right. right. Yep. And that made a lot of sense to me in a way, but that captures you upstage, downstage on yeah. the track. But it didn't really help the vertical. The vertical alignment. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then because we didn't put it together. Yeah. Right. And so then, it, and then I think. Are you and I personally yeah, exactly. didn't put it together? Yeah, Some of the other guys in the shop did it. Together, did it. Yeah, right. yeah. And then uh, it was like a couple days later, one of the guys asked like, "What this bag of plates were?" Yeah. And we were like, They're like I, thin metal straps <laughs> with like six set screws right. tapped in the plates. And we, at first we were like, "We don't know. I don't know. Well, maybe what is like, this? we've never sent, used this track before. Yeah. Maybe they sent it to us by accident." And then we got to looking at the track and looking at those plates, and we're like, oh, you know what? Those are the splice plates. Yeah, those are the vertical splice plates. So they right. actually they, they sit horizontally, but then as you tighten the screws, it lines up the vertical seam on the track. On the so track. you have mending plates for the side that do the lateral alignment, and then these uh, these internal splice plates that line up. The, for the vertical. And once we put those in. Yeah, we put the second set of track up, and... Put those Gorgeous. in, and it was perfect. Yes. Yep. So. It's still a little loud, you know, I mean, as the carrier's moving through the track. Yeah. But I think a lot of that is just because it's a it's a big track. It's a big track. And yeah. it's also, like, the Joker track is really like an I-beam shape. Right. But this cargo track is more like a tube. Yes. And so you end up with a lot of cavity in there, and right. it creates kind of like a hollow reverberating Re- You box. can just reverberate in there. Yeah, yeah. which is not as great yep. as it could be. Yep. Um, but it's big. I mean, big. I don't know. You know, it's it's big. You got four thousand pounds lo- rolling over it. It's it's louder than we'd like, but yep. um, you can kind of understand it. I exactly. guess. Yeah. Hopefully, the noise won't be a problem on site. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> um. So that worked out well for us. Yeah. The, you know, car- and the then, cargo truck was good. Right. Yeah. And then we saw that and got it all working and stuff. And then we were like, we we got to load this up. Right. How are we gonna? How are we going to load it up? Right. Because originally we were like, well, we'll just throw a bunch of winches on there. Right. Right. 
to get our 4,000 pounds. And then we realized we don't have any winches here. I mean, right, we, we they're have all the, out on right. rentals. Exactly. The winches well, we have here are the winches that we have to use for the traverse. Right. So we had some. We had like three revolvers lying around. Right. But that wasn't going to get us near 4,000 pounds. That's not going to get us near 4,000 pounds. We're like, holy crap. I mean, we built stuff heavy, but not quite that heavy. <laughs> Pretty <Yeah>. good, yeah. <laughs> we're like, 4,000 pounds, that's a lot of weight. Yeah. Right? And uh, we were like, what are we going to use? And we talked about getting like the the road barriers. Right. You know, the Jersey barriers. But like one of those is 4,000 pounds. So how are we going to move that around the shop, shop yeah. easily? And yeah. uh, and then we were like, well, what about like the the weights for tents? You know, they use like water barrels, but then sometimes they have like concrete filled. Right. Because you see like you go to the outdoor festivals and stuff and they'll have these giant blocks of concrete that they're using as ballast to, to tension the tents. Yep. And uh, yeah. So you called... Yeah, I called, called one place here, and they didn't have them. They gave me a, a phone number for another place, and sure enough, they had them. And yeah, they just they, they trucked them over. They trucked them over. They yeah. were kind of confused about, like, you want you just want the weight? Just what the about weight. the tent? <laughs> <laughs> the guy didn't know how much to charge us. Yeah. Because he's like, I've never done this before. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But it was very reasonable. It was a few hundred bucks, yeah, a right? a couple hundred bucks to have a guy deliver them, and then we keep them for a week, and then they're going to... Come, come and pick them back, pick them back up. up. Yeah. So the they're like uh, six hundred pounds. They're like fifty five ga- gallon drums. Yeah, and filled. like cut down. They're filled maybe halfway. Yeah. I mean, they're not fully full. Um, and then they have like a iron rod that's bent into an eye, right. so you can attach. You know, pick it up with a hook. With a hook, or yeah, or, or tie your tent. Tie to your it. tent to it. Yeah, We're, exactly. We weren't that interested in tying the tents. But. <laughs> Um, but they weighed like roughly like 600 pounds. So it was very manageable for us to, uh, like slide them around cause they kind of slid pretty easily. Yeah. And then we can lift them with a gantry or yep. yeah, cause we them around and right. We put them once they got here, we just, we drug them off of the flatbed truck right. on our loading dock. And then we picked them up with our gantry crane using the scale. We got a hook scale, right? So we could measure each one, see how much they weighed. And then we just put them on pallets Yeah, and then we could pallet jack them around the shop. Right. Easily. <laughs> Which was nice, and so that worked out well. And then we were, we were concerned about the weight on the on the roof, right? Because right? we got a, we had to set it up in our office. Actually, <laughs> our main shop floor has much higher ceilings, but it's all timber roof. Right, like, this is an this is old factory building, building yep. you know, classic New England factory building. So it's all timber, um, and not a no great way to attach it, and it makes you a, a little nervous about. Hanging yeah. four thousand pounds on it, you start to hear the building creak. Yeah. You start to hang a lot off yeah. of those points. But our office is in like the new section of the building where it's got steel beams. So we just kind of cleared the office a bit, right. and <laughs> brought the, put it in there. But we're still we didn't know exactly how great it would be to to hang that much weight in the center of those beams. Right. So um, we reinforced it with some pipes, right? So we, yeah, we, we welded like a little, like some lolly, like lolly columns. columns. Yep. Yeah, with screw jacks on the bottom. and um, Wedged so. them in between the beam and the floor. So it transferred some of the weight to the floor. Yeah. Um, and that worked out well. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That was pretty easy, pretty was, quick way to do it. Yeah. Some scaffold Very jacks. simple and, way. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we got it all set up. Yeah, we got it all set up. Uh, we, we did just one portion first. I mean, just the downstage portion first. Um, we rigged, you know, the traverse and the lifting lines. And, um, and it worked sweet. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> the, traverse, the traverse worked great. The traverse was 
Perfect. Perfect. Couldn't have no complaints about the traverse. <laughs> Didn't have to change a single thing on, on the, the traverse. traverse. Traverse was awesome. The lift. The, the lift, lift did not work. The so lift well. not so much. Yeah. The lift we were doing a, a a four to one. Yep. On the lift, so we would you know go from the spot line up to the track, over to the car, over to the yeah. So like car. to lay it out a little bit, we've got uh, we got the track, we got carriers on the track, and then we're attaching a a bar between right. two carriers. And so we make like a scenery carriage that's about 10 feet or no, it wasn't that long. It was like uh, eight, eight feet, feet ish, eight feet, ish, eight, yeah. feet, eight feet long. Right. So you got two carriers spread eight feet apart. And then beneath those carriers are some pulleys. Right. And the pulleys are what are going to divert the lifting lines down to the car. Yep. The car sits on a channel steel frame. Uh, the front axle sits on a channel steel frame. The back axle sits on a, on another steel frame. frame, right? And that frame also has pulleys on it, facing upwards towards the pulleys on the carriage. Yep. Right. Yep. And so our first attempt was basically to do a four to one mechanical advantage, but we did it in series. So the cable like wound it one cable wound its way continuously through both sides of the carriage, right? From left to right as one continuous loop. And we're not. I mean, well. I was going to say we're not idiots. I mean, we sometimes we're idiots, but we're not idiots. We we did realize like that, you know, we had the potential there for tip. Yes. Um, we just underestimated how easy it would be to tip. We're like, well, if the weight's mostly centered. It was you know, you get 4,000 pounds on there. It's probably going to pretty yeah. much settle out. Right. Uh, because no. like if there's inefficiencies, right? There's going to be inefficiencies. Yeah, you're going to have some friction in the pulleys and system. It's just not going to. It's not going to tip that easily. Right. Yeah. If you were like, like you know, if you took like. Put three quarters on one side and then put four quarters on the other side. Yeah. The whole rig just it's gonna tipped tip towards the, just, the four quarter size. Yeah. It was like a perfect, like you could, it was like a weights and measures balance totally. beam. It's I like mean, it's old <laughs> scale, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was. Uh, it looked cool. It was very fluid when it was doing it. It was cool. I mean, honestly, like if you could, if you were looking for that kind of dynamism in the in the rig it was actually kind of sweet because like right. if you just shifted your weight a little bit you could make the whole car uh tippy tippy um but that's more tippy tippy than anybody, anybody wants yeah, anybody, <laughs> unless you're like a performance artist you don't want that right so when we saw that we were like ah this is not gonna work and we and saw that of course like you know first thing on the morning no no it was like it was like <laughs> nine o'clock at night <laughs> it was like nine o'clock at night on right. a on a what thursday night i guess that was or uh, no no no, no, no. Uh, that was like it wednesday was night. wednesday night yeah. wednesday night before yep. the holiday yeah. yeah so it was back to the drawing board back to the drawing board yeah right so we we sat down and talked about it yep and it, it was pretty clear what we needed to do i mean we needed to get something that was not four to one in series we need to be like four to one in parallel Parallel, right so uh we figured that the best thing to do was just go pretty simple like we'll just put a four to one block and fall on each corner so yes. basically each wheel of the car gets a four, four to, one to one block and fall right and then we'll just go off the purchase lines on those block and falls the downstage two purchase lines will be clued to one hauling line yes. and the upstage will be clued to one, one hauling line. line right um so a pretty simple concept yeah you know um it did require that everything be redone oh, we all had to redo yeah. it all right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> all of the rigging was had to be different so um so you and i stayed a Pretty little late, late uh, <laughs> that night and then uh it, once we got to the point that it was really just drafting right um i stayed and did the drafting 
in 2D. 2D, right? <laughs> right, right. Because he was like, we just got to get this slammed out. I mean, it's a bunch of like plates with holes. Right. And, you know, just getting the getting all the pulleys mounted in the correct orientation at the right spacing. Yes. Very, very, very simple. simple stuff. But Very, very simple stuff. Yeah. Um, and you just got to get, I just need to jam out the drawings. Done as quick as possible. Right. So right. that when the guys come back in first thing in the morning, we can start putting torch to steel again. Yes. Start drilling holes. Yep. So, um, so I redrew it that night in Vectorworks, um, and then the next morning everybody came back in, and we just started cutting new right. bits of plate steel and um, jamming holes in there. And uh, really, by the end of that, the following day, we had a completely we were, rebuilt rig. Yeah, we were right back to where we were the night before. Yeah, so we ended up losing about twenty four hours in the yeah. shenanigans. Um, but we were right back to where we were, and the new rig design worked great, just as you'd expect. There right. was nothing, nothing was, funny about it. Yeah. You know, it it's got it's a much more complicated reeving system. Like you, it's a lot more wire rope and a lot more to keep track yeah. of. There's um, a lot of pulleys in there. <laughs> there are a, a lot, lot of pulleys. <laughs> yeah, we're using most a combination of five inch and six inch yeah. Rollmark aluminum, the M6B, M5B. Um, Rollmark aluminum commercial right. pulleys, which are beautiful pulleys. Awesome. Rollmark makes awesome pulleys. Yeah. Um, but they're hard to get. <laughs> they're not <laughs> right? easy to get. So when we first started the project, it kind of slipped past me that we were short like two. Right. And I was like, holy crap, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I thought we were just going to have to like redesign that. Those, you know, some pulleys to get up to where we had... Where we could use like some six inch, six inch pulleys. Yeah, we, had those we have a ba- we're balancing a, what we have on the shelf. Right, right. And because uh, so- this is all custom, by the way. Like, just to be clear, like this is we're gonna we're pushing all this out the door as a rental, and then it's gonna come back and get stripped, stripped down and have all those pulleys back in our kind of pile of pulley inventory. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? Before we go redesign, we should call Rallmark and see because usually, usually like their lead time is two, two to three weeks. Yeah, two to three weeks, and it, if they have stuff in stock. They just usually have to like press the bearings in and into the pulleys, and they can ship it out in like a week. Yeah, because they'll they'll make the bodies of the pulleys, but then they won't have bearings in them. Maybe. Right. And they got to put those bearings in. And, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I should just call. Maybe they can do something. Or maybe they have something. And sure enough, they they had everything. And they were apparently slow. Yeah, they were apparently slow. And they're and he was like, so you want to just order twenty five? And I was like, yeah, we'll order twenty five. I was like, sure. but just get two. He's like, we just need two. He's like, no, no, we'll get you all 25. He's like, we could probably ship them today or tomorrow. Yeah. Like, okay. okay. That's weird. Sweet. We'll yeah. do that. I mean, we don't need them, but we'll do it. But luckily. Luckily we did. Because in the <laughs> end, we needed like 29 pulleys and we had <laughs> 30. Yeah. <laughs> like the final the final tally by the time we were done like sorting everything out is we had one spare pulley left. <laughs> so I think we still had some six inch pulleys left. Yep. But the five inches, the five. we used all of them. So, yeah, a lot of pulleys, a right. lot of pulleys. So, but in the end, you know, we, we got it all, we got it all set up and we got the down, the upstage portion rigged and it, and the entire rig look, works great. Yeah. Right? I mean, it looks, it looks nice, very smooth. Yep. And for test, for testing it, we ended up just like, uh, we rented some box truss to, to span between the two right. channel steel frames. And then we loaded up all the weight barrels on top of there. On top of the truss. And yeah, yeah. And it's very stable. Very stable. Yeah. Yeah. It works great. It, uh, you know, it's not super fast um, on the lift. Right. We got this four to one the mechanical to one. advantage. Um, but, 
But you know, I think it's gonna I, look. I nice. think it's gonna I look mean, great. I don't. Yeah. I don't see how they would want it to be four times faster. Yes, I agree. Right? I totally I mean, agree. Yeah. So. For for what they're doing, I think it's gonna look. I think it's good. a good trade off. Yep. Yeah, uh, I, and you can get a lot of different looks. Right. With even with the the even though it's only two lifting lines, so we can just lift the front axle or rear axle. But even with that, I think it's pretty nice. Yes. I think so cuz like you know we were kind of playing with like twisting the car a little bit right so like we twist we twist the travelers so they're like a little you know skewed from stage right to stage left and then lift the upstage side right you know and, and you, you can, can make it look of, like it's going like to the right and down and yeah. then to the left and up and right it looks pretty cool it looks very cool yeah right yeah and it's interesting cuz as we were doing that and playing around with these different looks it really made me wish like I could get some time to move back and do some more spike mark programming right. because um, I mean like building more features into spike mark right, right, because right. writing cues in spike mark to control all four of those motors to control one, you know, to move one object. It's cumbersome. Yeah. Like it, it takes, you know, you're really, you're having to talk to spike mark about motors and what you want to say is like, Pitch the car down. Exactly. Pitch the car up. Right. You know? Just move the car. Move stage the car right. stage right. Yeah. And you don't really want to have to deal with, all right, downstage, you know, downstage traverse over 20 feet. Yeah. Downstage lift up six and then figure out all your timings. Exactly. And it's, right. Yeah. It's going to take a little while. I'm, I'll be going out there to help them set up and program. And um, it's good to have to eat your own dog food. Yeah, on absolutely. projects like this right, because right. you get to you get to feel the pain with your customers about like, yeah, this could be better. Right. I wish that uh, I wish Spike Mark was a little more fluid when you get into these kinds of rigs. Right, and same kind of with the 3D with that that little graphical interface. Right. Yep. You know, it was a little. I mean, you could understand and see what was moving, but it would have been better. Chunky. It's chunky. It, it, right. It's, it would have been you know, better to have like just it be a square. Or it'd be yeah, a car. I mean, if nothing, it, 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 even or, if it was just like a platform where you exactly. like the front edge is related to the downstage traverse, the back edge is related to the upstage traverse, right. and then the vertical offset is controlled by the lift. But ideally, it's like, why can't it just be a car? Can't we just put a car just in there? Just put a car in there. You know, right. So I can look at it and see the car and exactly. watch how it moves. And uh, I don't know, we got to talk to the guy that writes that software. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, we'll put in a ticket. <laughs> put in a feature request. Wait a second, my, my email just dinged. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, uh, a couple of other things that we noticed that would be awesome to improve is that once you have you know you have four motors controlling this one object, you really can't jog well anymore. Right? Because I mean, you can and we do, but you, uh, there's only you can only jog one motor at a time. Yep. So you can kind of like inch one forward, then inch the other one, then inch the other one, and that's just silly. It, you really want an ability to say like, I want to grab these two motors and jog them at the same rate. Go. Right. And right now, Spike Mark doesn't let you do that, and that would be nice. Yep. Um, grouping the fault Faults. conditions. Yes. Right. Is really key, and that you know. Right now, we rely an awful lot on the operators to play heads up that if one axis gets off, um, that they've got to stop the queue. Yeah. And uh, I'm not in love with that. And we're actually going to see what what we can do uh, in the next in the next little while here to to right. at least make that better. I mean, I think the the final the real excellent fix is non-trivial, but we can at least make it better than it yeah, is. Yeah. Put it. Yeah. Pretty quickly. Yep. Yep. Um, and that would certainly lower my blood pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Other groupings, though, is hard. 
because like you don't want to have to say i don't want to say always move both the upstage and downstage traverse motors at the same rate all the time right because in this particular instance like we want to be able to play with that yeah. we want to be like twist it a twist little, it a little bit, right? bit drop it a little bit you know drop the front edge but not the back edge you know yep um but what you do want is to say, hey, never let these two things get more than blah, right. two feet away from each other, exactly. four feet away from each other. You know, yes, you can play within this envelope, but if you if the motors ever stretch beyond that envelope, boom, kill it, kill it. Yep. Um, and that's where like uh, I was going to say Fisher's Navigator, but I guess it's really it's Tate's, Tate's Navigator. Navigator. Yeah, right. Tate's Navigator. <laughs> Tate's Navigator, um, their rules system is pretty sweet. Yeah. Because um, you can exactly. set up rules like that. Right. Uh, and something like that understand. would be very handy. Yeah. Right. Something like, like that would be very handy. I, w- I think that's how that works. I, I was going to download their user manual and check it out. But... <laughs> <laughs> if you're out there, Tate, guys, we'd love to, we'd we'd love love to, to hear your manual. <laughs> user manual. <laughs> uh, we'll host it for you. Right. If you're worried about the web space. <laughs> Um, but anyway, that that's a pretty cool feature of Navigator. Absolutely, and right. That would be something be great, something to would be nice to have. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep, yep. yep. But I mean, it was cool to see. You know, we we always like to use stock products as much as we can, right? Right. I mean, yeah, that, that's our big that's our big thing. Our big shtick is like, what can we use? How do we break this down into stock components? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it was cool to kind of take a step back and and see what we use as stock. Yeah, right? I mean, because we use we use a lot of stock components. Yeah, we use the push stick for traverse. For traverse, we yep. use the spot lines for the lifting. We use the stagehands, you know, obviously Our to control. stagehand controllers. Yep. Yeah, yep. we so use the, the combination classic and the stagehand pro. Yep. The stagehand pro and all the lifting lines, obviously. Yep. We use spot blocks, right? And some of the lifting, uh, some of the lifting pulleys. Right. I think the only thing that left as spot blocks in the end were down on the carriage. Right. But, but those are doubles. But they're great. Yep. Spot block doubles down there. Yep, exactly. Perfect. And for then that. you know it wasn't our. And stock. on those spot blocks, we actually swapped out the the normal uh, mega coupler that's down there right. for just an eye bolt. Yeah, just a four. So eye. We, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, you know, and then it wasn't our stock product, but it was somebody else's. It was the cargo track. You know, we didn't yep. we didn't go and try and make our own beam carry. You know, I right. beam track. Yeah, it's this. a custom yep. beam carrier it was a track like that. that we ordered and got within a week absolutely yeah. right yeah it's nice and then you know the custom things we made were custom pulleys custom pulley mounts be, yep. yep sorry not custom pulleys um custom pulley mounts and then a traveler bar to you know link tie the, the carriages to, together yeah link the two carriages together yeah but yeah it was that pretty was cool. cool to you know take a step back and say okay well I think that's really great because it's like you, it gives you a chance to see these are the Lego pieces that we make. Right. And how can you put them together to go, do some really cool effects? Yep. And this is a great example of how you can link a bunch of you know stock products together right. and come up with a very ingenious um, solution that creates quite an impressive visual on yes. stage. Right. Know? And we got some videos and stuff that we'll put up. Hopefully, maybe we can get that into the show notes before this goes up. Yeah. Um, I took some videos of how it works, and, uh, of it working and yep. <clears throat> us testing it and riding it around the shop. It doesn't have the real car in it, obviously. Right. It's just but we'll gotta, get some of that video. We'll too. get that later on uh, yep. after we go install it. But, yeah. Yeah. This was also the first time we got a chance to, um, well, not our first chance, but one of the times that we get to use the stagehand pro as i like to say in anger right you're really under the gun you're trying to get something set up and you don't you know you're not just 
testing the Stagehand Pro. Like when you're testing a product, you know, you're really focusing on that product. But when you're trying to use it in its application, you're not focusing on the product anymore. You just want it to be the tool it was designed yes, to be. Right. And I love it when we finally graduate a product from testing, you know, the Stagehand Pro has been out now for better than a year, about a yeah. year and a half. And so um, a lot of people are using it. We don't use it a ton in our inventory until really it's just been like the last three, four months right. that we've had a chance to um, use it. Because so much of the stuff we've been building has been shipping to other customers. We're just now getting them into our own rental inventory. Right. And I thought some things about the Stagehand Pro, first of all, it's got sweet performance. Like yeah. the thing works great. It's got right. awesome speed control. It's yeah, and that's because we're motion. right. And it's because we route the encoder to the VFD. That's right. So rather than operating the VFD in sensorless vector mode, we're right. doing it in closed loop mode and real vector mode. Right. And you get super tight speed regulation right. like it, that. Like on the slow speeds, it's it handles rock it. solid. Yeah. yeah Full torque zero speed is great. Yep. Um I love the encoder readout. Right. So right on the stagehand display on the pros, you get encoder feedback blinking at you, showing you once you're when you're jogging, you can see that the encoder is working and it's running in the right direction. Right. And that's just super helpful when you're before you've got spike mark set up, before you're at the computer, you just want to like, hey, is everything working right? Yep, you know? Exactly. And it's great to see that. Yeah. It's also really nice to see if there's a dry fault in spike mark or on the on the Stagehand Pro LCD screen, it will flash. You know, if there's a dry fault, right? In Spike Mark, it tells you if there's a dry fault. Oh, it's so great in Spike Mark to see dry faults because yes. on the classics, you don't get any indicator that there's a dry fault um, until you try to really, really until you try to run a queue and the thing doesn't and work. Nothing happens, it, which is right. not not a great interface. But on the Stagehand Pros, it pops up and lets you know that there's right. a dry fault, which, yeah, is, which is awesome. Cool. Yep. The ultimate limits are nice. Yeah, right? those like, really gives you just an. You know, once you have 4,000 pounds swinging around the shop, you you appreciate every little redundancy like that's going to keep you from breaking right. stuff or dropping a load. Or, exactly. Yep. Yep. That's nice. Um, on the downside, the things I didn't love about the Stagehand Pro is there's no easy way to defeat the limit switches. Um, on our Stagehand Classics, each individual limit switch plugs in with yeah. a little ML2 twist lock. Right. And you can just pull it out and like put in a shorting jumper. Uh, to like get out of a limit switch. Yeah. Now you don't want to use that like most of the time when you're actually running a real show, right? Right. But, but for when, like setup. For setup, when you're like, I haven't even set my limit switches yet. Right. I'm just trying to screw the cable the on. Yeah. yeah. You. It's really nice to just like disable the limit switches so you can just rig the rig right. the winch and then you'll get to setting the limit switches. Right. But um, like now, if you, you're trying to rig the drum or something, yeah, and you're going to hit a limit. You're going to hit a limit and you got to open up the limit box and tweak back the limit off. back a little yeah. bit. and That kind of stinks. Um. I think that's going to, I think we're going to find a solution to that. Yeah. One way or the other. Yep. yep, um, yep. I'm definitely going to find a solution when I go out to Colorado <laughs> to put this thing in. Uh, I, that'll probably be some hacky solution that won't see the light of day, but they will eventually figure out something yeah, better than an that. An elegant solution for yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then there's also no easy way to flip polarity. So if you want like stage left to be forward and stage right to be reverse right. or vice versa, right now there's no easy way to do that. And it it's even, you know, with the classics again, we had little jumpers that you could put in to flip the motor and to flip the um, encoder polarity. Yeah. And really, I think that's, we could probably just do the same thing, you know? Yeah, something like that. Something right? like that. Although I, I do wonder if we can't just put, do like a, something else. Something yeah, that's a little some, more elegant yeah. than that. Right, so. right, right, right. But I think one of my one of my most favorite take takeaways from this project yeah. is that, um, so 
a little back history. When we when we are when we were doing the new Showstopper, Showstopper three console, yeah, Showstopper three console. Gareth and I had long discussions about the hold to run. You know, should it be there? Should it not be there? What's hold to run, Royal? Hold to run. So you have to be hitting up. You have to you know press a button down, and you have to be holding this button for any movement to happen. Right. Right. Um, I and I was an advocate for it. Yep. Um, and Gareth was was against it. Both <laughs> right, right. Both because so my so <laughs> Royal takes the the modern, very safety conscious. You know, I, no, I don't I don't want to say that in, a, in an air of like saying that I'm unsafe. Right, not demeaning. That, yeah, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I spent a lot of years as an automation operator, and the idea that I have to sit there and basically babysit a button by holding it down to get my cues to run yep. really aggravates me. Uh, because I'm like, look, I'm paying attention. If something goes wrong, I will hit the stop. But otherwise, I don't want to accidentally foul up the show just because my finger slipped. Right. 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 But, you know, there's good safety measures. Right. Because it's say, like, you know, you have to be pressing this button because you've seen how like some people like press a button and then they just walk away. Yeah, they away. start running a queue and they just walk away. And you know, then, whoa, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. Do you, and it, you know, it, Usually that really comes from inexperience. It's not, you know, professional automation operators know what they're doing, know that they should be engaged in the show and should be watching the equipment and watching the performance as a queue is running. But if you, if you're more used to like running lights or sound or something where you can like hit a button and now I'm going to go do something else. Right. That's not okay in automation. Right. Yeah. But so we found a good a good happy medium where you can turn the whole hold to run on. You can off, configure right? it. How do you want to work? How do you how do you want it? Either the the same button can either be hold to run, or you can just have it be a normal. Or I shouldn't say normal. It can be a classic soft stop where yeah. you don't have to hold it down to run, but if you hit that button, then it'll decelerate to a stop. Yep. Um, and you have two different keycaps in the box with the show stopper. So you, you can, can configure you physically you configure it, it too. It'll right? say the right thing. So. <laughs> and we always discuss it, and we talk to new customers and we, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, we keep, we keep a little internal tally about <laughs> who likes it, which who way. Likes it. So uh, after this experience, I got my favorite, the one, I, <laughs> the one that I've been seeking for the last year. And uh, Gareth, why don't you say it out loud? <laughs> I like the whole Duran. <laughs> I I have to admit, like on this job with this much weight and this, you know, what we were doing with this many axes and stuff. As we were first starting to test it, it was comforting to have the hold to run. Right. Because rather than having to think about which button to push if I wanted to abort, I knew that I could just take my hand off the console and everything would stop. <laughs> <laughs> and so I when no he- longer felt like I was babysitting a button. <laughs> I felt as though the system was helping me be safe. <laughs> so they're royal. I win. You were right. <laughs> But that's not to say that it's, I would feel that way every time. No, absolutely. But whatever. But whatever. <laughs> I win. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You win. Royal always wins. <laughs> All right. Last thing. Last thing. Where? Are we, how are we doing on time here? Woo. All right. Yeah. Last thing. We got to make it quick, right? <laughs> we got to make it quick. All right. Yeah. All right. So last thing is uh, we got the Mitsubishi 8, A800 in. Yep. So the... Uh, Mitsubishi- we, tra- we 
we usually use the A700. Yeah, these are variable frequency drives or yep. VFDs. This and that's is, what powers the motor, right? Right. So we have our state inside of our stagehand AC, we have our own motion control card that we designed the circuit board for using Eagle CAD as we discussed. Yep. Um, and that actually like tells the drive how fast to move and then it watches the encoder and figures out how to adjust that and all that. Right. But the A700 is the, or the Mitsubishi A, A700 has been the AC drive we've been using since 2008. It's a very good variable frequency drive. Um, it has good performance in both right. sensorless vector mode and real vector mode. Yep. Um, and a good price point for good, us. And, yep. yep. Mitsubishi has been, we work, we've worked well with Mitsubishi about getting a price that's palatable for us. And yep. what we're trying to do here is. OEMs. And lead time has always been good too. Lead time has been great. Um, support's been very good. Yep. Um, so in February, they announced that they were bringing out the A800, the, su the successor to the A700. Right. And they said, you know, you'll still be able to get the A700. Eventually, lead times are going to increase a little bit. And we, yeah. So we're, we're like, like right, okay. Yeah, that's that's not, so it'll go bad. from like being a week to like maybe three weeks, yeah, you know? We'll, yeah. We'll work yeah, around so it. In June, we placed our first order for the A700 that came back with a, this will be a three-month lead time. <laughs> like, oh, oh, well, that's what you mean by increased lead times. <laughs> that's going to come up. That's going to come up. Like, yeah, but you might want to check out the A800. It's really nice. <laughs> right. It's okay. a drop-in replacement. It's it's a drop-in replacement. Those were the words used, in yeah. fact. So, <laughs> on, first of all, hats off to Mitsubishi. The A800 does seem to be a much... As much as I love the A700, right. the A800 drive is really very nice. Right. Um, it has much tighter speed regulation. It's 1,500 to 1 in vector mode versus 1,000 to 1. Oh, so okay. 50% so better. Which means, for, for the folks that don't know, so that means that's, you know, 1,500 to 1. That's the, the lowest it can go, the lowest RPM the motor can go. Right. So you take that. That's the ratio to full nameplate RPM. So that'd be 1800 divided by 1500. That's your lowest RPM. And let right. me just punch that in real quick. Cause I think it's like super low, right? It's like, yeah. 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 It's like, whoa. I mean, you're the math major, oh, but you shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one point, one point, one point, uh, oh. two. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> so yeah. So 1.2 RPM. Yep. That which is you can generate that's basically before, stand still. yeah like before reduction yeah before reduction correct correct yeah one point two rpm on the rotor is yeah. what it can generate full torque crazy crazy really nice yep um it has safe torque off yeah so what's safe torque off uh, yeah so safe torque off is a safety feature that can disable the power stage of the drive when it gets a stop signal from a safety oh, okay. relay. Yeah, because so, right now we do that with a big contactor, right? Well, yeah, we do two big contactors and a safety relay that monitors those contactors. The contactors are in there for redundancy. Um, the uh, safe torque off would mean that you could get rid of those contactors and just have the safety module. Nice. And that would give you SIL 2 or performance level D rating okay um you can get up to sil 3 and performance level e with a little more componentry by adding in one more of the contactors I back see. Yep. but uh nonetheless uh that that's great that's right it, it's a great feature to have um also it has a usb for programming and parameter writing oh, okay um, the a700 had it as well it just didn't work 
reliably. <laughs> <laughs> so it really works on so, the A800. Right. Um, it works great. It's super, yeah, it, it just works like you'd expect. You right. just plug it into your computer with a mini uh, USB um, cord. And, oh, that's cool. Yep. That's and nice. You, and then you can use their free FR Configurator 2 software yeah. for both the parameter configuring and then also for plc and the plc yeah because it has a, the a800 and a700 have a, a plc embedded into right. that we don't use that plc in the stagehand classic at all but in the stagehand pro we use that um to help with the brake switching because we right. have dual brakes there and we want to have um some input some, some more input from the drive about when those brakes fire um and that's but that software is free that software is free. Right. Which is a change from the A700. Which is a change from the A700. The, we had to pay like 800 bucks to get the software yeah. for the A800. Or I'm sorry, for the A700. 700, yep. Um, and yeah, so FR Configurator 2 is now free and you can download it. From and it works machine, great. And it works great. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. And then the parameters. Parameters are all the same except for the ones that change. <laughs> right. But, but you know those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a, they changed some parameters around. Right. Um, like they changed like some parameters. Like so like parameter six on the, just for instance, right? Like yeah. Parameter six on the A700 could now be parameter 12. Yes. But like some of the parameters are the same, but the. But the values are Values different. are changed. Yes. Like the, a parameter that, like <laughs> parameter 414, we used to set it to one. We now have to set it to two. Right. And it didn't used to even be an option um, to set it to two. But now it won't work unless you do it to, anyway, whatever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a little annoying. Uh, to to have to hash through all those little changes. Yeah. Um, and then also they changed their memory addresses on the PLC side for the different registers right. that we want to read because uh, we want to take readings on like the current level of the drive and then um, some other things on there, like yeah. fault status and things. Um, yeah, and all those have changed. So like the ladder logic couldn't ladder be Ladder logic couldn't like, be I mean, used. Yeah. I mean, it's the same ladder, the same logic, but... Same logic, right, right, right. Different, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, uh, and there w- we were hard pressed on our time to actually get that all figured out. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> it was, it was a little frustrating to, to, <laughs> to go through all that. And then lastly, the keypad is a different size. Of course. And but- we mount the keypad <laughs> to the front of the case. Right. So the whole pattern had to change. But of course, all of our sheet metal cases, they're here in stock, done completely. <laughs> <laughs> we have loads of them. Right. Tons. Yes. <laughs> And uh, and so we have to make little adapter right. mounts for the new keypad. Right. But the VFD itself is the same size. The VFD itself Which actually, is nice. and that may be what it, they meant when they said drop and replacement, because those four <laughs> bolt holes are in fact the same. Right. So physically, physically that is the same. Right. But uh, all in all, I think it's a great upgrade. Yeah. I really like the product. Um, and seems I'm, like it's gonna be very nice. It's I got a lot of nice features that we we want to look yeah. into. Yeah, yeah. It has some really nifty features that. Uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll bring up on future yeah, episodes we'll about, that right. we'll talk about as we get more into it. At the, this point, we were just trying to make the A800 work like an A700, A700 you know, right? <laughs> um, so we could get it up and running for this uh, job. But but that's uh, there'll be more to come on that. I'm sure. Yeah. So cool. Sweet. I think we're all wrapped up. Right? I think that's it. Yeah, just a just a quick hour podcast. Exactly. Um, so thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if you like the show, please rate it on iTunes and tell your friends. It's the best way for people to find the show. Uh, if you have things you'd like us to talk about, send us an email uh, to podcast at creativeconners.com. Yep. And we'll see you next week. Yep. Thanks, guys. <laughs>